Hello, my name is Nigel Jerry Lopez. You can find him on social media at Indie Spanglish, filling in for one Mr. Jason Allen Hammer. Jerry, how are you, my man? Doing great, doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Uh, we got a great Friday show for you, including, um, well, look, we, we got to start the segment off with this, a new warning. As if there's not enough to worry about there on the southern border. A new warning from the southern border here earlier today uh, on Fox News. Uh, U.S. officials are warning agents to watch out for IEDs, improvised explosive devices. Uh, this now according to an internal memo obtained by Fox Business, says the Mexican military seized 10 explosives at the border. The memo reads in part, quote, agents should ex- exercise extreme caution and should report any possible armed subjects approaching the border with possible explosive devices. So, out of all the things those guys got to worry about, the Border Patrol has to worry about now. Add one more thing to the list, and it's not a small thing. It's what? Improvised explosive explosive devices. devices. Shades of Iraq right here. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So IED, improvised explosive device, that's your bomb on the side of the road in like a trash can. Yeah. VBID is vehicle improvised explosive device. Those are okay. the car bombs, right? Okay. I have been wondering when this day was going to come, and it terrifies me because we have freedom of movement with no accountability at our southern border. This could happen any day. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. It's an invasion at the southern border. And I'm not talking about the people that are taking advantage of the uh, asylum laws, the lax asylum laws, that you know, the legal pathways, the app. Right. I'm talking about the millions of people, the gotaways, yep. uh, the people from Iran, the people from China, the people from uh, Hezbollah, Hamas. Yep. The the terrorists that have been caught on the terrorist it's watch It's not list. just Hispanics. There's a lot of Chinese immigrants coming through the southern border. A lot of and, them. And they aren't being captured. We have, I mean, we have, we did ca- capture ones that did not want to be identified. A lot of these guys don't care to be, don't care that they're identified. They want to go through the process. They want to get documented so they can do things the right way. Uh, and that's, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute, actually, about these uh, lax asylum laws. But it is. It's a true invasion from people coming through our country, and we don't know who they are, and we don't know where they're from, or where they're headed. And they're from all. We know they're from all parts of the world. Correct. So when you start talking about IEDs in America, yep. and uh, you know officials warning the, uh, the the border patrol about it, I think the border is probably the most important issue in America. The open, porous border. I mean, it is inflation. It is the economy. It is a corrupt president. It it is a, a blank check to Ukraine. Uh, but I think the open, porous southern border is the biggest issue uh, that Americans are dealing with today. Well, I will agree. And not only that, but the, the border affects so many other aspects of our country, right? It affects the economy. It affects goods and services and supplies and all this stuff because we're bringing over hundreds of thousands of new people sure. every month. Sure. I, I, I want to say there's probably certain corporations that like the influx of migrants, yeah. which drives the wages, which drive wages yep. way down from a bigger pool of people to select from. Sure. Um, Republicans are pushing for more border security and they're tying it to Ukraine. Like Biden wants a $106 billion aid package for Israel and Ukraine, but the Republicans aren't going to give it to him unless there's more border security, 
They restart that border wall. They bring back uh, the the remain in Mexico policy and limit the use of asylum. Now, asylum laws. This is interesting. Asylum laws are being exploited, and it's not just we. Uh, it's not just me that's saying it. Here is Senator Independent uh, Senator Kristen Cinema from Arizona. I think it's obvious that the asylum system is being exploited by criminal cartels in Mexico and throughout the world, um, and it's not functioning as it was intended to do. We created asylum laws in this country to ensure that people who are facing persecution in other countries could find a safe haven in the United States of America. It was designed to be rarely used and only for those individuals who cannot live safely in their home countries. Unfortunately, the cartels have exploited that system and are using it as a way to make a lot of money for themselves mm. and send economic migrants to the U.S. Economic migrants are individuals who seek to work in the United States and for the large, you know, large part, are good folks. Mm -hmm. They want to make a better life in the U.S. They're not asylum seekers, however. And so it's clear that the system has been broken and exploited. And uh, again, that's Kristen Cinema from uh, the state of Arizona. 25. I, I, and by the way, I, I saw this thing with Melania Trump today. I only saw it on on Fox. I don't think this is getting covered at all. And, you, and you're going to appreciate this because you're first generation. Yep. Right, Jerry? I saw my mom do this. You, you saw your mom yep. go through this ceremony. This yep. So 25 immigrants from 25 different nations became U.S. citizens today. It's a national uh, the, uh, naturalization event at the National Archives in Washington. Uh, former First Lady Melania Trump, a naturalized citizen herself, actually addressed a crowd at the ceremony. For me, reaching the milestone of American citizenship marked the sunrise of certainty. At that exact moment, I forever discarded the layer of burden connected with whether I would be able to live in the United States. My personal experience of traversing the challenges of the immigration process opened my eyes to the harsh realities people face, including you who to try to become U.S. citizens. Patience and perseverance became my constant companions as I navigated through this intricate web, which I'm sure you can all relate to. And that's obviously not getting covered anywhere. That's no, Melania um, at that event today. So you so you were at an event similar to this when your mom Yeah, my mom had her event at the city-county building. And you were so, there. Yeah, yeah. So she had to do Cuba. a bunch of classes. Yeah, a bunch of classes. She probably can name all the presidents in order, and I can't do that. She can tell you all these. <laughs> she had to learn all these random things, right? Like, that I, I mean, based off TikTok, I bet a lot of people don't know. <laughs> well, it takes, one of the points in Melania's speech there is that it takes a lot of work there to, to uh, what I, what'd she say, traverse the intricate process of becoming a legal yeah. immigrant it's it's not easy it's it should be harder than just walking through but you know what if you want to be if you want to be a citizen of the greatest country in the world then it's worth the work it's absolutely worth, it's the, worth work. the work. I have relatives that did it. It cost yeah. them it, it cost them uh, thousands of dollars yeah. through legal fees and years, no, it's years worth the work. and years and years. Yeah. Wanted to run something by you here real quick. This uh, <laughs> this Christian military vet that decapitated a satanic statue on display at the Iowa State Capitol. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, this statue is called Baphomet. The body of a man and the head of a goat 
and was placed at the state capitol building earlier in December in opposition to the nativity scene. So the Satanists are getting pissed off the nativity scene at the uh, you know at the at the capitol. So they got to put their own satanic statue on, and this military vet went and decapitated Said it. Not today. <laughs> the the Republican governor there in Iowa said, "quote Absolutely objectionable." The display, that is. The display is absolutely absolutely objectionable, but noted that it is a free society. Um, this guy was charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief. Well worth it. Well worth it. Take your $150 ticket and keep it moving. Are you? Okay, so, but, I mean, look, I don't, man, there's I don't, a lot of like statues. It. I don't there's, like it. There's a lot of statues no. removed in the Summer of Love in, yeah. in 2020. George Washington, Christopher Columbus, yeah. um, a, a lot of the uh, Confederate statues, people erasing history, um, but this, are you okay with this? Uh, I'm not okay with any of it, right? Like, yeah, America, right, 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 right. America is you do you, and I do me, and we just live respectfully for each other, but... I, I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't either. I don't blame him. I don't either. Can we skip to the good part? Yeah, hello. Happy Friday. I'm Nigel Jerry Lopez at Indie Spanglish on social media, uh, filling in for Jason Hammer. Also, Matt Bear Traffic Beast live in studio. <laughs> it, it's going to be a bad weekend in terms of uh, ramp closures, but that's not the story, no. is it? No. Let's start there, and then we'll branch out towards some other stuff. I got an up. I want an update on your podcast, um, and uh, also this uh, this new movie that's hitting Netflix. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on. Uh, the South Side, I think I said yesterday, it, it's going to be undrivable uh, this weekend. I, I kind of feel like that about everywhere at the moment <laughs> in the Indianapolis metro area. So when I say undrivable, I mean on the South Side, the, the eastbound, if you're going east, like towards uh, Dayton or Greenfield, yeah. 465 is going to go down to one lane from I-70 uh, over to US 31 East Street. And, and that's a large stretch of interstate on one of the busiest stretches of interstate in one of the worst work zones in Indiana right now. So, down to one lane, which means it's going to be backed up uh, probably starting at 9 o'clock tonight. That's when this actually begins and then ends Monday morning before rush hour. And this is the the, the caveat here, the, the, the kind of the uh, final boss is when you get up for the rush hour Monday morning. And you're going to be on new pavement, which sounds good. Yay! Right? Yeah, new pavement. It's smooth and everything, but, but I, I don't know what it's going to look like uh, exactly. So it's going to be a whole new traffic well, well, Tell pattern. me this. Tell me, like, because there is so much going on in downtown Indianapolis. Is any of this going to affect the influx or outflux of traffic? You have the Pacers. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have uh, the, the uh, Purdue Boilermakers in Arizona at Cambridge. You have uh, the, uh, the Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I believe playing around the same time. We have earlier in the day Bloomington, uh, Kansas, and IU. This is like a, a very big day for downtown Indianapolis in terms of traffic. Yeah, there's a lot coming inbound. And again, that's how people, a lot of people use that southern loop, that eastbound Ooh, loop to boy. get to I-65. And, and I really caution people not to do that this time. And with that, you know, people are going to be using the streets a lot 
and that means Hannah, and that means Edgewood Avenue, and some of the other east-west roads that kind of run parallel to 465 on the south side. So those are going to get really busy, too, and eventually people are going to start punching up north on 135, 31. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of traffic on 65. Yeah, what what I'm saying is it's going to be everywhere. (laughs) You look like Zach Galifianakis with with, uh, formulas going through his head. But you have to have an abacus to get any of this right. I had a, a, a team of engineers to break down the weekend road report. I really did. I have people from Purdue University have interns back there. It's actually, this is a serious road work project, this guy's. And anytime I talk about this construction, it's it's a construction for the new I-69 that's going to be done at the end of 2024, the whole project. In, in this work zone, and we are the fault of when we crash, okay? Always. You know, work zones don't make us crash, but the work zone is really tricky, and it's really narrow, and parts of it don't have shoulders. So, if you do wreck, it's it's What it's if you break down and get a flat? Behind. Yeah. yeah. In the middle well, of that well, thing, you're then, screwed, then, and then everybody behind you is really screwed. In the scary situation, you are on the main line, or that's, that's what it's traffic people go. Hey. Yeah, the, 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 the main official sound. Yeah, I know. The main line of um, 465 is... And you don't have anywhere to go, which means your car is just kind of dangling there in the left lane until emergency crews get there. And that sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. And um, I just want everybody to be really careful with this one. Uh, it's 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 a tough work zone. I, I try going west just from 65 to 31 on the south side. And the pavement is so uneven and it's so nice. bouncy. And it, it, I mean... You have to deal with semis. As drivers, it's our responsibility to to not get worked up and not to get angry. But when you have semis flying by you at, at 80 miles per oh, hour, it, it, it gets a little intimidating. And even I feel that as much as I drive and drive the interstate. So the south side road work, it's going to be tough to get through. I would avoid it altogether. If you are coming into downtown, to your earlier question, Nigel, yeah, find something else. Look at the map for a second. Tweet me at Matt in traffic. I'd love to help you out on this. I, I really what is would. It? Matt in traffic, okay. M-A-T-T-I-N, like the state traffic. You word. gave me a whole litany of things you wanted to talk about in this segment, and one of them had to do with our uh, co-host today, Jerry. Yeah, would yeah. you like to? Would you? We have we have an immigration question. Uh, absolutely, and, and, for a uh, first generation um, uh, American. Yeah, in, in, in the studio here, Jerry. You were talking about um, you're talking about your ma, yeah, right, a little bit ago, and I thought that was really cool um, in the naturalization process and everything. And, and I was listening to you yesterday talking about your Cuban roots, and um, I, I, I'm going to sound ignorant here, but I, I, do you, were you guys allowed to celebrate Christmas in Cuba? So I phoned a friend. I called. <laughs> well, right. I called mom and I said, "Hey, a couple questions." Is so this, said, by the way, is this considered a microaggression? Uh. <laughs> Depends. Asking Never mind. It's only a microaggression if a white person starts it. Okay. Um, so I asked her about Christmas. Hey, do you guys celebrate Christmas back home? And she said when Castro took over, he outlawed churches. So ba- churches were banned. Wow. And as part of that was you could not celebrate Christmas. Wow. So what they would do is celebrate Christmas Eve kind of just have like a little meal together but there's no presents there's no gift exchange there's none of that so their big party she was saying is on new year's day so new New year's Year's eve to new year's day is when they really get together and try to cook a pig or whatever they do a roast but no there is no there is no christmas in cuba i wanted to know i wanted to find out from you matt about your new podcast i i couldn't understand in the 
in your email is it already out there or it's, is it is it dropped yet or is it going to drop it is going to drop okay. in january we're okay. hoping mid-january right now and this is our first trip for a lot of people working on this thing right now uh ride hedrick our morning show anchor is the co-host uh, of the show and, and it's called what supporting sobriety supporting sobriety and it's not going to i mean we're going to have stories because i'm a recovering alcoholic and he's a recovering addict yeah and we're going to talk about our stories but this podcast is designed for the people that have to deal with people like us <laughs> you know trying <laughs> try to figure the out family you know, yeah yeah the families the loved the ones families the, wives, the, drunks. the husbands even the kids you know if they're in there if they're old enough to understand these kinds of things you know it can help them but that's that's where the the podcast is that's where we want to help that's where we think we can really make a difference so julie uh, looking for that in january looking forward to that real quick before we catch a break here beverly hills cop Axel F. This trailer. made my day. This made my night. <laughs> Did you watch that favorite, trailer? Favorite series ever. Yeah. Wait, wait. wait this isn't going to be a series. No. Well, you mean, you mean in, in Beverly terms Hills of movies. Cop. Oh, dude. If so, it's on, I watch it. You had one concern. So the new Beverly Hills Cop dropping on Netflix next summer, right? I think yeah. it's been 30 years since they made the third one or the fourth one. What do we think about this? What do we think about the trailer? I, had to look I grew up loving Beverly Hills Cop and Axel Foley. The first R movie I ever saw in the theaters was Beverly Hills Cop. Sure. I mean, there were boobies, and I was hooked on R movies <laughs> the rest of my life. It, it was so great. Um, my concern is, okay, you're bringing them back, and I'm looking at the cast. You know, you have Judd Nelson, uh, you know, star. Bronson Pinchot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aquel. Aquel. Yeah, every memorable character from any Beverly Hills Cop movie they're going to stuff into this film here, and I'm I'm like, please don't make it PG-13. Exactly. <laughs> please don't make it. Exactly. Let Axel Foley do his Axel Foley stuff. So you, you know? want it to be a hard R, is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> Screw <laughs> the kids. It's 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 an adult movie. Hard R. What, what, do, you hard mean, R. what do you mean? What do you mean hard R, Nigel? <laughs> I, I'm looking for an MA-17. <laughs> you know, if we can get an MA-17, maybe beef it up a little bit here, that'd be awesome. That no. Bear Traffic Beast, where can people find you? At Men Traffic. Uh, that's where we do the messaging and talk the traffic, uh, the traffic reports are also, you know, in Twitter form, at WIBC Traffic. We get the big crashes out there and things that impede you. And, um, yeah, you can just follow us there. And uh, we'd love to have the conversation. And then we'll tell you more about supporting sobriety as it comes along. It's it's really exciting. Thanks for giving me a chance to talk about it a little bit, guys. No problem. It's a Hammer and Nigel show. <laughs> yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah. I'm Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. We'll go to the phones and bring on Tommy Pickett, RNC Strategic Comms Director. Find him at RNC Research. A must-follow. Tommy, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. How are you? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Man, so I got to get your take on the clown show this week. This press conference outside the Capitol with Hunter Biden, this little 53-year-old man baby trying to play the victim and convince everybody it's extreme MAGA Republicans that are trying to ruin his credibility, <laughs> which I think is, it makes me laugh every time I say it out loud. Uh, your overall, you know, your 30,000 foot of what uh, took place there earlier this week with Hunter. Well, I think with kind of two things come to mind. First, it shows how entitled he truly thinks he is, oh, yeah. that he can just refuse a congressional subpoena, that he doesn't have to go 
uh, and testify before Congress that he doesn't have to answer these questions. It really shows how entitled he is. And if that's how he was conducting this business, then I, I mean, that that really kind of supports the idea that he was abusing his name to, yeah. to make money. So, I mean, it's it kind of that, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the Democrat reaction, I think, was really important to this as well, because they're showing that they're committed to not believe the evidence in front of their own eyes. So every single day, the Democrats double down on supporting Hunter Biden, the fact that he's refusing to answer questions. They prove themselves not only to be hypocrites, but also in complete denial of the facts. I mean, did you see AOC going off saying there's no evidence of anything? I didn't even know if she was talking about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. She might as well have been talking about both of them. But there are mountains of of evidence that, that Comer has already put forth. There is. I mean, there's literally a mountain, like you said, of evidence indicating Joe Biden's knowledge and involvement here. She specifically talked about witnesses, and uh, there are at least three witnesses (laughs) that are going towards the fact that Joe Biden was involved. And uh, in terms of the special treatment that Hunter received at the DOJ, there are three witnesses that have testified to that effect or have spoken to that effect. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky, Devin Archer, and the IRS whistleblowers. Uh, So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a series of eyewitnesses, and not only eyewitnesses, everything that these eyewitnesses are saying is backed up in writing. It's backed up by emails. It's backed up by phone calls, by letters, uh, by bank records. Uh, the, the story of these witnesses has been corroborated. Meanwhile, the Biden White House keeps on changing their own story. Every, and every single time they come up with a new line, it's quickly disproven in a matter of weeks. So I think the Democrats are in complete denial about this. The evidence is right before their own eyes. Uh, and they're showing that they don't really care about the facts, because if they did, they would have voted with Republicans to formally go, uh, go on with this impeachment inquiry. So, Tommy, we're saying they're, they're ignoring the facts, and I would agree with you. But I think the, bi- the biggest issue for the country is that our, our media that we're supposed to trust is also ignoring the facts. So how do we get this out to the, the American public so that a lot of people can see this, specifically before Election Day? Because I can, I can assume that the closer we get, the more these kinds of stories will be suppressed by big tech. So how do we get this story out, and how do you ultimately see it playing out? Well, I think it is a challenge. There's no doubt about that. The fact that the mainstream media has decided to believe this line that there's no evidence, despite the phone calls, the emails, the bank records, the LLCs, the witnesses, the sworn testimony. So it is a challenge. I think part of that challenge is, one, you have to just follow the facts where where they lead, and you have to do that as a congressional oversight body. Uh, And that's what the House is doing, just following the facts. You have to repeat the facts as often as you can. Uh, as loudly as you can, and you have to really lay that out for the American people. It, it is a challenge when you're fighting both the Democrats and the mainstream media, but you really just have to continue following the facts and get that message out there. And I think there is evidence that there's success in that because of uh, polls that have come out showing the American people believe that Joe Biden acted unethically when it came to this, when the, it came to these dealings. So I think we just have to keep that up, keep following the facts, and I have confidence in the American people to see that, but we can't really, uh, you know, take our eye off the ball of the, of the social media censorship either. And that's been a big part of what House Republicans have been looking into past social media censorship, making sure it doesn't happen again. And, and we really can't tolerate uh, social media platforms that, that are deciding to put their thumb on the scales. There needs to be accountability and transparency and House Republicans are dedicated to making sure that that exists. And talk about the, the lie, the specific lie. I'm always fascinated with this. The goalposts have moved on the uh, Joe Biden never had any business dealings directly with Hunter. I mean, it, it literally started out with, and there's clips of it. You have it on your at RNC Research. There's clips of Joe Biden, clip after clip, montage after montage of saying, 
I've never even spoken to my son about his business dealings. And then all of a sudden this week, you have Hunter Biden out there saying, uh, yes, I worked on the board of Burisma. Yes, I uh, uh, was uh, with a, a Chinese businessman. Uh, but my father had no financial dealings in my business. It, it just it, the goalposts have moved on how involved Joe Biden was directly or indirectly with Hunter Biden's business dealings. Yeah, the goalposts have moved so often they're way off the field now. I mean, they're yeah. just like a, they've moved them as far as they possibly can here, starting with the fact that Hunter Biden's laptop was disinformation when it's not. Yeah. Then they said Hunter did nothing wrong, and he clearly did. Then they said Joe Biden never spoke with or had any knowledge of the business dealings when he clearly did. And he said he never personally met with uh, Hunter Biden's business associates when he clearly did. There's evidence to that effect. Then it was he was never involved with business dealings. And then you have Devin Archer coming out saying Joe Biden is the brand that Hunter was selling. And now you have this like you just pointed out, financially involved with Hunter's new goalpost. But the problem there is that there are checks that have been put forward by the House Oversight Committee, a money trail, which shows, according to the House Oversight Committee, going from a Chinese Communist Party-linked company to Joe Biden. So that financially involved piece is also being disproven or in the process of being disproven. Uh, So I I think there are so many times where Democrats have moved these goalposts, but each time uh, that they set this new line, they're showing that they're lying about it. Uh, and it's quickly disproven almost as quickly as they come up with it. So uh, the, the point is that bank records don't lie. So Joe Biden, Hunter Biden can try to spin their, uh, their yeah. way out of this all they want. But there's records of this. Uh, and they can't deny those records. Tommy Piggott, RNC Strategic Comms Director. One more thing before I let you go. Um, is, is there... Is there a sense that Hunter is going to somehow hinder or bring down Joe Biden as his cam- and his his campaign? So, in other words, are, are these problems that Hunter Biden is experiencing right now are they dragging Joe Biden down with him? And does it have the potential to backfire on him, much like Hillary's emails did back in 2016? Well, I think what's going to backfire on Joe Biden is continued his continued insistence just to lie about it. Because there are so many lies that he's told, that just demonstrably false statements as, as recently as last week saying he's never interacted with Hunter's business associates when there's literally photos and multiple photos of him interacting with multiple of Hunter's business associates. Yeah. Just flat out lies. And I think that's really what's kind of uh, really destroying his credibility here. I, I don't think Hunter will bring Joe Biden down in the sense that I think Joe Biden's own actions here are what's at question. I think Joe yeah. Biden can't really point a figure and try to separate himself from this because based off of what Devin Archer said and all the evidence coming forward, uh, there's a ton of evidence indicating that he had knowledge and was involved in this. So I think that's the big issue here. I think Joe Biden's own actions are really what's being called into question, what's really concerning. And I I think Democrats are incredibly concerned about the new revelations around Hunter and Joe Biden. And that's why they're so frenzied and denying it despite the evidence. Hey, uh, Tommy, this, I think, might be the last time we speak to you in 2023. So if we don't hear from you before then, have a great Christmas and New Year, and we'll talk to you in 2024. Sounds good. Sam, to you. Have a good Christmas and, uh, and a good New Year. It's a Hammer and Nigel show. You know this guy, Jerry? I looked him up. Got to be honest, I had never heard of him before. John Party. Yeah. He's been going a little bit. I never heard of him. The reason why I'm playing him here. He's got a lot of drinking songs. Heartache medication. So, John Party's a country music star. 
and I, I'd say virtually, I would I would say 50% of country music total right now that they play on Hank, 50 to 75% involve mentioning the word alcohol or booze or oh, yeah. beer yeah. or whiskey or something in some shape or form or another. But John Party has now said that he's decided to retire from alcohol. I've been 112 days sober. I've lost a, a bunch of weight, and it was I was pre-diabetic, and I was just like, I gotta, I gotta stop. It's been great. It just fell off my face, and I really was getting to the point where every picture, every video, I was so unhappy with myself. I was like, I needed to just take a break. So I, 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 I just did a photo shoot. And I was like. <laughs> Vogue is in my head. Feeling it. So for anybody that's thinking about it, let me tell you, it does help tremendously if yeah. you stop. Jerry Lopez, are you thinking about it? Thinking about retiring from from alcohol? I mean, listen, my mom raised no quitter. <laughs> All right. So uh, no kudos to that guy though, man. I celebrate anybody that want, even if you just want to stop for Lent. Just, I think it's nice to like just control your vices and just you know go back to them whenever you want to. Yeah, I'm toying around with um, uh, a semi-retirement in January. If Hammer were here right now, he'd he'd be laughing his ass off yeah. at me. But, but like it's. It, Unless it's beer sample Friday, those empty calories, man, they make my face so puffy. Yeah. I get look, I go to exercise ink, I get to do the things I need to do to keep my body moving and and but but boy with the beer and then sometimes late at night on the weekends turns in uh, you know five beers turns into vodkas turns into shots turns into fireballs oh you go hard <laughs> you go and hard i brought a lot of bad habits with me from my 20s right you know what i mean and it just doesn't it's the same thing it's the same outcome yeah every morning you're just you're groggy and you're you're, you're you reach for the advil you chug three gatorades and it's just kind of that that aspect to me of drinking is getting very very old well, i still have my drinking army legs so i haven't gotten into that yet really but i like we <laughs> talked about earlier i don't do hard a like i that's something i've changed stay away from the uh the old yeah, uh, doing the, shots and stuff like that because i'll wake up and not feel good or whatever so now when i go out to the Strictly beer, or whatever. It's where are you going tonight? Are you doing something tonight? I you, mean, got... you already know we're gonna go play some darts, darts dude. Darts. See, see it, Old Town. Where, where is it? Old Town Tavern, right off of uh, Main and Range Line. Well, they but, know you there by now, by uh, name. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Everybody dumb, knows dumb me. Question. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you look like me and Carmel, you automatically stick out. All right. <laughs> What, let me. Why don't you describe to the people that don't have YouTube yeah. right now? Uh, we're on a YouTube stream. Maybe just give us a, a quick sixty-second description of who you are, what you do, what you've been through, your status um, uh, as a service member, yep. things like that. People that don't know indie Spanglish. Okay. Go so ahead. Uh, I'm first generation American. My mom and dad are both from Cuba. Uh, I was born here in 1981 at Wishard Hospital. Um, there was only blacks, whites, and myself, so there was no like Spanish people for me to congregate with or whatever. So I, I hung out with everybody. So I feel like I got the unfiltered version of America, right? Uh, and because of that, I see that a lot of the stuff that the media puts out is just false, or I see the narrative when they already put the story sure. out. Because I know that it's not really like that. Um, I am a military vet. I was a counterterrorism analyst, two deployments overseas. Uh, when Whoa. you look like me, you look Iraqi, you're super useful, right? <laughs> so uh, we know you're Cuban, but can you walk down here and tell us if you see this guy, right? And it's a true story. And I'm like, I don't even speak Arabic. And they go, dude, you can pass, right? And I'm like, oh, screw you guys. 
And I walk back like, man, nobody even noticed. And yeah, he's down there. <laughs> Thank uh, you for your service. Yeah, so now, I really want to ask yeah, you more about counterterrorism. Yeah. So now I'm on Twitter at Indie Spanglish and uh, just outspoken here for laughs and, and just enjoying it. So, yeah. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. I did want to mention uh, is Allison is Hammer's betting article up on WIBC.com. Did he get his bets in? Yeah, his bets are up and uh, they're okay. on WIBC.com. So even though Hammer's on vacation, I guess he's got to play in the Colts game. Uh, I mean, dude, look, give Hammer credit, Lopez. He's got a winning record this year. He's 10 and 5 on his quote, best bet. Hey, I'm going to have to follow. Feature. Uh, the There's uh, also the pro handicapper on the article, has free plays on the big Kansas IU game, Arizona Purdue basketball games. And uh, that is up right now, WIBC.com. The Hammer Nigel section, right, Allison? Okay, so I did. Uh, I did want to mention that. Um, uh, about an hour from now, we'll be talking about how homelessness in America has skyrocketed. Uh, you're not going to believe these numbers. We also have Alex Marlowe, editor in chief of Breitbart, also the author, record, uh, um, uh, not record breaking, best selling author of Breaking Biden. And he'll be on at about 5.30 to talk about uh, the latest with the Biden crime family, what we saw this week, the the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry vote, and the Hunter Biden's ridiculous, absolutely outrageous uh, press conference that he gave this week. That's at 5.30 with Alex Marlowe. I think something that is, is a result of homelessness, again, we'll talk about that in about an hour, is... Um, the reduction or the disappearance of the, like the COVID handouts. Yeah, Jerry. And I'm looking at this this new Gallup research about the lockdown effect and how bad the needless lockdowns in America were for Americans, physically and mentally, <clears throat> has has really just deteriorated by every metric since the pandemic. And and one of the things they're saying is you know part of it's working from home is partly to blame. This. The survey says um, poor diets started during the COVID pandemic, which is resulting in obesity and diabetes that are on the rise in this country. How did you uh, how did you do diet wise those first couple of months? And I'm lucky because I can literally eat whatever I want. And You're one don't of those get, I, I like I. I can eat a Snicker bar for breakfast every day, and I wouldn't gain a pound. And to some people, that sounds good, but to me, like it's kind of annoying. It's uh. I worked from home for four years, right? Uh, ate DoorDash. Like, I see all this. Sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. Rarely, rarely got up. Just kind of, yeah. I luck- mean, being in the military, were you at a, did you exercise a ton, or did that kind of fall off? No. Yeah. Because if you see me running, pick me up. <laughs> I'm running from, so I'm not working out. <laughs> Yeah, no. But but to this point, like I saw another thing that talked about, you know, childhood hunger because a lot of these kids only get their meals at school. Yeah. And now that they're at home all the time, they don't have those meals. Yeah. People that were missing regular doctor's appointments. Yes. And then when they show up two years later, now your issue's way out of hand. Uh, domestic violence, because now people are at home. Like, all this stuff was affected by the I mean, lockdown. the kids, especially, because there wasn't, like, a Child second, abuse. second or third set of eyeballs yeah. on them, really affected the kids. And, and this, and we're not talking about education. That's on top of On top this. of education. I'm talking, yeah, the physical 
physical and mental abuse. That I mean, looks listen to the mental health side of this. It's on, it's been on a downward spiral. One in ten high schoolers have attempted suicide. A record fifty thousand people taking their own lives last year. Not to mention the over hundred thousand that lost their lives to fentanyl. Right. That didn't do it on purpose. Those people, most of them, were poisoned. They thought they were taking yeah. something else, but it was laced with fentanyl. That's not an overdose. That's called murder. Yes, exactly. Uh, the so you know, yeah. Look, man, I'll I'll be the first to admit I would come home. I was lucky enough to get to come to work every day. Yeah. I wasn't quote unquote locked down. My grandparents, or I'm sorry, my kids' grandparents. After about a week or two of us living together, the kids, Lindsay working from home, me leaving, she she having to juggle at home work and and homeschooling. Uh, Linda was like. Yeah, I don't care what they're saying. I'm coming over to help you so, guys. So I would tell you people, know? people are like, oh, you must love it. And I'm like, honestly, it was pretty sweet for about a month. And then after that, it just sucks. Like sometimes the but you only kids person at I, home. Yeah, but the, but sometimes the only person I would talk to would be the person that would buy my, like I would buy <laughs> food for them in the drive-thru. Yeah. Like that's yeah. it. And you were thankful for their service. I was happy to have that conversation. You know, why does this Cuban guy keep talking to me about random stuff when he pulls up? <laughs> so, how's your day, John? Here's how, your, how are the kids? Here's your McDonald's. I got more customers. I sent you a you. Facebook invite. Um, so, yeah, the sedentary lifestyle was a huge result of the the lockdown effect, had a major effect on Americans. And uh, I'll be the first to admit, man, I'd, I'd get home from work and Trump would be doing one of these three hour COVID press conferences. Where it was just three hours of him being combative yep. with with CNN and MSNBC, and I was addicted to watching those. I'd pour a drink. It just it was becoming an issue. My wife was like, "All right, n- none of this, no more." Okay, uh, so yeah, and I think the loss of COVID funds, the handout COVID, the free money, yeah. is a big part of homelessness in this country, and we'll examine that a little bit next hour. Did you see the headline where Hunter Biden is threatening to flee America if Donald Trump is re-elected? I love the word flee versus leave, because yeah. you better flee. If Donald Trump's elected, you are fleeing, because we're coming to get yeah, you. Fleeing, fleeing implies yeah. like you did, criminal. you did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I mean, he's facing 42 years in prison for tax and gun charges, and an ongoing investigation. It hasn't even got into the alleged kid stuff. The alleged what? Kid stuff. <sighs> What's that mean? You know, he's got on videos and. Oh, know, yeah. Some underage like we stuff. We haven't even with talked those. about the underage yeah, kid the, stuff. This the, is all tax. This and, is, a, this yeah. is the, the, the laptop from hell. Yep. So, according, I'm looking at this Breitbart article, uh, the Hunter story has the legs to ruin things for Biden, a Democrat strategist told The Messenger. The controversy about Hunter Biden's financial dealings might play the same role for Republicans that Hillary Clinton's emails did in 2016, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so keep an eye on that. There's, of course, there's lots of celebrities that said if Trump is reelected, that are going to leave the country. That never turns out to be the case. Uh, have you ever um, have you ever had a mishap with a frozen pizza in the oven? No, not necessarily. Not, not, pretty, you know, pretty pretty hard to mess up there, Nice. Well, I mean, you get home like in your twenties. You get home. It's it's four o'clock in the morning. You put you you need some drunk food and you fall asleep and all of a sudden the uh, the fire alarm's going off. Nothing like that. No, no. <laughs> 
I was frazzled yesterday. I got home late. My wife w- was supposed to be going out with her friends. There was kids running around all over the place. She goes, just put, a, put, put in a frozen pizza for the kids. So I opened a home run in pizza. One of my favorite. Uh, you guys had home run in pizza? Oh, man. Excellent frozen pizza. And so about 10, 15 minutes later, I open the oven. I had put it in upside down. (laughs) (laughs) There are pictures up at Hammer and Nigel on X right now. So it just melted straight down. It melted, and and I was panicking too because it was it was I was steaming, piping hot. I call my wife. I go, "What do I do?" She just paused and goes, "Have fun cleaning it up." Hey, if you want to know that men are just. Grown up boys. All right. He put the pizza in backwards, and the first thing he did was call the wife and go, What am I supposed to do? Yes, that's exactly. Turn off the oven and clean it up. Also, she probably said, Don't burn yourself. She didn't say that. She didn't care about that. But the uh, the evidence of my incompetence in the kitchen is now on display at Hammer and Nigel. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. You know how to play Is This Anything, right, Jerry? I do, I do. I'll give you some stories. Hammer usually gives me the stories. Maybe some, like, uh, B stories, back page stories. I tell you if they're worth worrying about, worth talking about, or if they're nothing at all. So let's start with this right here. Scientists recorded what they claim is the worst song in history. And what makes it even worse, it's a 22-minute long song. And we're going to listen to all 22 minutes of it. No, yes. I'm kidding. No, no. Uh, so so we, I, I made this super cut of the beginning uh, to like the four-minute mark. It includes an accordion, an opera, uh, a singer, an opera singing rapper, and bagpipes. According to science, this is the worst song in the history. West vibe to it. Plays and sounds. We're we're halfway done. Do you want me to keep going? (laughs) (laughs) Again, according to science, if you're just tuning in, scientists made the worst song in history. something here. The scientists that did this. This is hardly a song. This is a bunch of noises just jammed together. And it's 22 minutes long. I spent way too much time on this. All right. I got to disagree right off the bat. That is not the world's worst song. Are you ready for the world's worst song? Yeah. It's Friday, Friday. Remember this song? No. You never heard it, this song? Thank God. No. Melissa Black. Oh, just awful. Two passengers have been banned from Carnival Cruise Lines for uh, for life. 
this is it's got to be some pretty egregious behavior to get banned from life off whether it be a cruise line or uh, an airline. But I'm not sure I, I get it. They're banned for life after catching a fish from the balcony attached to their room. It happened while the ship was docked in Nassau. And here are here's the video of the dude catching the fish and the woman reacting. Oh my god, you actually caught a fish. <gasps> oh god, don't swing it into somebody's place. Oh sorry. You can say you caught a fish in the Bahamas. Couple banned for life for the Carnival Cruise Lines for fishing off. The uh, balcony, is this anything? That seems stupid. Seems like fair play. You should be able to do it. But I did not think about him trying to pull this fish up. And it's just banging on people's <laughs> windows as he's trying to pull it up to the upper deck. Yeah, it's not like he tried to, uh, you're not 35,000 feet in the air trying to open the plane door right. or something like that. Or try to put a hole in the boat and sink it. And they're stopped. They're dead. They're, they're fishing. They're that's what you do. I thought that's what you're supposed to do when you go on a carnival cruise. You go fishing. For COVID. <laughs> You've never been on a cruise? Did no, you tell me that? No. That's the exact. I, I hear about these. Our boss David Wood loves cruises. Loves going on them. Um, took full advantage after like they started letting people back on the They'll ships. Pay COVID. you to come on this thing. They were you know, they were yeah. basically paying him to go on these also, cruises. Also, there's a chance so. he'll be stuck in here for 75 days. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like like <laughs> you've heard these horror stories about how everyone on board catches the stomach flu yeah, all and, at the same time. And we can't let anybody off. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen to this. A Massachusetts woman named Bridget taught her dog to say, "I love you." Don't believe me? Listen to this. I love you. Is there anything to that? I mean, it's sad. Bridget gave up on men and just <laughs> settled for the dog saying it. You know? I love you. It sounds like somebody's. I know why Bridget's single. Somebody, it sounds like somebody's drunk uncle yeah. imitating their obese aunt at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, we've got time for one more. Speaking of dogs, a Minnesota deputy is getting praise for saving two fishermen and a dog that had fallen through the ice. Oh, man, that's scary. Uh, they didn't even wait for backup. Here, uh, Here's Chris. He had to crawl through the thin ice to help rescue the people and the dog. Here's some of the body cam footage. Chris, where are you going? He's going out there. Cause Chris, I don't like it. Neither do I. These guys are hypothermic. Hey, Chris, Chris, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. okay. You want to get him up here? You coming, come on. It's thicker over here. One zero twenty eight. We got one meal back to shore. Come on. Good boy. Good boy. Jeez, talk about running towards trouble. That's amazing. Without waiting for backup. What that guy's a hero, without, right? What would we do without people like that? Without brave policemen running into a lake that you could fall through yourself to rescue. I mean, you heard him. He said the, the couple was hypothermic. Even the people with him. Hey, let's wait. He's like, we can't. And the dog. And the dog. That's awesome, man. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. We'll go to the hotline and bring on Tony Kennett, host of the Tony Kennett cast. Weeknights at 7 o'clock here on 93 WIBC. Also investigative reporter for uh, DailySignal.com. You have a brand new article up, Tony, about how Butler University is investigating college Republicans for condemning anti-Semitic chants. It's, I mean, on the on its face, that article, the, the headline is absurd. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Go. Let's go back to the days 
after October 7th, one of the most terrific terrorist attacks uh, in the history of Israel, the most uh, Jews dead since the Holocaust, uh, brutal attacks, torture, hostage-taking, rapes, beheadings. And in the days after, you see an outpouring of support for Hamas and anti-Israel demonstrations, not only across this country, but across the globe. Uh, what what did you see in the days after that horrific attack? Well, I saw a lot of uh, individuals obviously condemned from the left and right, that, that horrible situation. And then I saw a lot of young 20-something, uh, late-teen-something college-age kids who started saying that, well, actually, Hamas was justified to respond that way. I, again, to, to quote that Washington Post columnist, what did you think decolonization meant? Um, and and that was that kind of weird celebration. So the Students for Justice in Palestine organizations, um, which have always been very pro-Hamas, started organizing pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas rallies around the country, uh, basically to say that they supported the actions that were taken, as evidenced by a lot of the really gross chants that started to pop up, such as not a victim, not a crime, meaning Israel wasn't a victim. So therefore, Gaza and Hamas did not commit a crime in all of those rapes, beheadings, and murders. Unbelievable. So fast forward to a couple days later, there was a protest on Monument Circle. There were pro-Israelis and there were anti-Israeli protests, pro-Palestinian protests at the same time. I believe I was out of town. You were uh, filling in with Jason Hammer. What did you see when you um, when you kind of went out there on Monument Circle and and listened to the chants and and the protests? Sure. So uh, the Butler University Students for Justice in Palestine group announced they were going to hold this rally in, in downtown Indianapolis on Monument Circle. Uh, I was in, like you said, that day for you, actually. And uh, I walked down with John Herrick and uh, at a different time with uh, Jason Hammer and just a few others from various news crews around the state. And I recorded for a couple of hours the, the insane chants that uh, a lot of those pro-Palestinian protesters were chanting, such as from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That is a call for the ethnic cleansing of Jews for uh, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, it's the it literally is the motto of Hamas in their charter. Uh, so not exactly hiding the ball there. And then of course also things like uh, not a victim, not a dime, followed by not a nickel, not a dime, as in no support, no financial aid for Israel. So you said um, you again, said not a victim, not a crime. Um, and then what was the other one? Not a nickel, not a dime, okay. no more room for Israel's crime. And so you, you so, heard them chant that not a victim, not a crime, uh, not the, only, the chant, which again suggests what? Not only not only did I hear it, I recorded it. Yeah. Uh, so because, you know, that's kind of what got, which is insane, but this is what got the Butler University College Republicans in trouble is that they made a claim without recording it and documenting it on HD video, which is not a requirement in the United States. You don't like if someone's like, hey, I was raped, you don't have to be like, well, where's the video of it? Because uh, that's gross. But I, I heard that and recorded it as well as not a nickel, not a dime, calling for the U.S. to uh, not give any kind of aid or support to Israel at all. Because as the protesters said, they think that Israel and the Jews, they are a terrorist state. 
It's just amazing to me. I, I had not heard that. Um, I've heard a bunch of anti-Israel slogans, but not a victim, not a crime, which again suggests that b- because pro-Palestinian students believe Israel isn't a victim, there were no crimes <laughs> committed by Hamas. There were no war crimes, no terrorists to rape, torture, and slaughter women, uh, as you put it in this article. That is, I'm, I'm just, I'm flummoxed, actually. And and now you're saying in this article that Butler is investigating college Republicans for condemning those anti-Semitic chants? Right. So, uh, according to emails and documents obtained by the Daily Signal, uh, the Butler University Equity and Title IX office, a lady named Azure Swinford, who used to be a Title IX coordinator at IPS, um, she got complaints from the Students for Justice in Palestine after Butler University College Republicans posted a letter of condemnation on Instagram in which they said, um, this anti-Semitic chant is gross. It celebrates the death of uh, all of the women and children that were just raped and burned and slaughtered and tortured in front of their parents, etc. And we condemn it. We we think this is gross. We think it violates Butler's Office of Student Activities um, or Student Office Discrimination Policy. You know, okay. like if you're going to receive funding and resources and a faculty advisor from the university, you have to abide by the university's policies. Sure. Like I can say I'm a member of any club anywhere. Uh, at a university, but for official university clubs, you have to follow university rules. So they said that because Students for Justice in Palestine at Butler organized this protest and participated in these chants, this violates the discrimination policy. You know, calling for ethnic cleansing yeah. kind of violates a discrimination policy. You think? So they asked Butler to investigate. Yeah, I know. And uh, I guess asking Butler to investigate and then to revoke their university organization status like Rutgers just did with their students for justice in Palestine. Um, The Title IX coordinator, uh, Azure Swinford, agreed that that was inciting violence against Muslim and Palestinian students. Again, this is according to the Butler letter, which is wild. That's racist in and of itself. If you think that all Muslims and Palestinian people chant, not a victim, not a crime, and that all Muslim and Palestinian people are threatened by a university investigating something? Oh, my gosh. That's a rather racist thing to insinuate, don't you think? So what happened next? What is, you know, moving forward? I mean, I'm looking at some of these emails right now. What is the, what is the current status of the... Uh, the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter there at Butler and then the College Republicans? Well, for, as far as we know, uh, that chapter has not been investigated at all. In fact, I received a screenshot last night that I'm working on verifying that the equity office at Butler promoted the Students for Justice in Palestine protest before it happened. So very wild development there. You're the first to hear it. Um, mm. as, as far as what's wow. going on now, we've had radio silence for six and a half weeks. And the reason that's insane is because the entire investigation hinges on this claim. The Students for Justice in Palestine group claims that the Butler University College Republicans made up that the protesters were chanting, not a victim, not a crime. They said, nobody chanted anything like that. That's not true. And by making that up, you're inciting violence and harassment. And that's why I was originally contacted, because remember, I was down on the protest filming it all. So 
when we found the footage, um, uh, they asked me to be an education rights advocate. They thought at that point, you know, the investigation was becoming quickly unethical. Um, I went to the campus. Um, I did hold an off the record meeting as an education rights advocate for those two young men with the two college Republican presidents, the previous one and the new one, yes. as well as Azure Swinford. I can't reveal information about that at the moment, um, but... We did have a meeting. Uh, at this point, though, there has been no update in the investigation. There has been no, like, the university hasn't come out. The only thing I have been told officially by the university is that we're not going to discuss it with anybody. Well, so, so do, but did you, <laughs> did they hear, did the administration hear your footage, your audio that you have of those protests? I sent that footage to uh, the communications director, a man by the name of Apple, uh, and I linked the footage in what I sent to them. I mean, I'm looking uh, at it right now here on your piece at the Daily Signal. I mean, it's very, very overt. You'd have to be all kinds of deaf. I played the audio on the show last night. You'd have to be all kinds of deaf not to clearly hear the chant, not a victim, not a crime. But merely, I mean, as you put in your article, it's, yeah, obviously it's good to have proof that these college Republicans' allegation is correct, but you don't, it's not necessary to file a, a, a complaint like this. But you have exactly. the, but you have the audio. Exactly. And and that's really the key point here that I think that maybe some might be missing, which is, and Jay Green pointed this out perfectly. He's a, a senior research fellow over at Heritage's uh, Center for Education Policy. He said, can you imagine that if someone experienced sexual assault and stated, I was sexually assaulted, if they were then the ones investigated instead of the person who committed the sexual assault, there'd be outrage or police brutality or any other crime. But because it's a situation in which Jews, oh, there are a lot of Jewish students. Uh, I believe that the, the one of the former presidents of the student Jewish organization at Butler either is or was at one time a member of the college Republicans. So I guess the concerns of Jews being harassed and targeted, you know, like they were surrounded at MIT and a Cooper yes. Union in New York. Yes. Not exactly a, a baseless fear. Oh, I suppose that those things aren't good enough. No, that's actually incitement. So it's it's insane. It I mean, I, I, and you've been clear before. You you're all for free speech. You're all for. I mean, if you want to go out there and say free Palestine and and those kinds of chants, you have no problem with that. It's the incitement of violence and advocating of genocide that that takes it to another level that actually causes well, people to feel fear on on college campuses. And I'll be clear, I don't want any of these students expelled. I don't care who the university investigates at all. If the university wants to open up an investigation based on pre-existing discrimination policy, all power to it. You wrote the policy, abide by the policy. What I do have a problem with is a Title IX coordinator, Azure Swinford, which, by the way, is a federally funded position. At Butler University may be private, but it, had, it takes federal money, which means that that's federal dollars coming from your pocket and mine. Mm. I'm sorry, but my dollars are not going to go towards discriminatory and unethical investigations, making a mockery of civil rights investigations. And again, it's not even a, a universal standard. We have no record to this date that they are investigating the Students for Justice in Palestine organization. We have no evidence that they are investigating anyone for that kind of behavior, except for the college Republicans filled with Jews. 
Uh, his name is Tony Kennett, host of the Tony Kennett Cast weeknights here at 7 o'clock on 93WIBC. I'm sure you'll be hearing more about this tonight during the show. You can find the article, dailysignal.com. And what, what is the um, your uh, X handle? The Tonus, T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S. My man, at The Tonus. Have a great weekend, great reporting, and keep us updated. Thanks, Nigel. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. It's Hammer and Nigel show. Hello. I'm Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. Are you taking the kids? Are you taking the small one, the, the, the kiddos, the small ones to see Santa? I think we will see Santa probably over at, uh, what is that, Clay Terrace Outdoor Mall there in Carmel. Oh, man. They usually have like a little reindeer. They is that where the big ice skating and, rink is? Uh, not far from there. Oh, that's near wow. The, that's near the Palladium. That's, yeah. that's, that's madness Pretty over cool. there. That is madness. Uh, we are going to... Uh, Go see Santa this Saturday. I'm missing the Colts game because the NFL flexed the Colts and the uh, Steelers from Sunday to Saturday afternoon. Right during our reservation at Sullivan Hardware, Sullivan's Express. You know, the little train thing they have. It's not little. It's huge. It's a giant. They have giant trains that run all through the uh, complex there. Kids get to go sit on Santa's lap, tell them what they want for Christmas. But I could really just imagine. I mean, how many... Just an estimation off the top of your head. How many mall Santas are there in this? Just in the city alone, do you think? Oh, I mean, that's that's a. T- I'd say a hundred. No, I, I'd say I'd less. I'd, I'd say more. I'd take the over. And I got to tell you, mall Santas, what must they be thinking when they bring our brats and send them on their lap? And now, a few seconds inside the mind of a mall Santa. <laughs> Ho, 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 no. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year? My butt. The only reason I spend 11 months growing this dumb beard is for the one month I pocket 500 bucks a day. <laughs> Plus the free cookie they give me over at Panda Express. Not that I don't already know my fortune. Today, a shrieking four-year-old will pee on your lap while you pose for a photo that will just rot in a shoebox. One kid told me my breath stunk, and I should have said, well, my alcohol at lunch should have taken care of that. Speaking of alcohol, it's probably the main reason you're here. Well, at least I know as ridiculous as I look in this outfit, I could be that poor dope over at Hot Dog on a Stick. Yeah. Ho, ho, well, who do we have here? Ho, 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 ho. That was a few seconds inside the mind of a mall Santa. I mean, is there no... That kind of had... Uh, that kind of reminisce a little bit of a bad Santa. A little bit. That's the first thing that came to mind was the movie. With... Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, 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 who plays bad Santa? Come on. Billy Bob Thornton. I knew that one. There you go. Coming up next, some really happy news in Joe Biden's America. U.S. homelessness up uh, to a big number. And it's not good. Going to want to know about this number. We'll tell you about it next, 93 WIBC. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's my name is Nigel. That's Jerry Lopez at Indie Spanglish on social media, filling in for Hammer. Uh, at the end of the last segment, I teased an unpleasant number. Uh, the U.S. homelessness population has gone up under Joe Biden. 12% Jerry. 
12% homelessness under Joe Biden. It's about 653,000 people experiencing homelessness. It's the highest number since the country started using the yearly survey back in 2007. And it's it's kind of depressing. I mean, I think it's why we did what we did with the Salvation Army and the 2019 anniversary of the Radiothon. Um, uh, last Friday, a week ago Friday, where we raised a record number of uh, funds, like $460,000. But, I mean, look, what do you think about that number? Up 12% you know, under Joe it, Biden. Unfortunately, it's not surprising. All you have to do is pull out your phone and try to act like you want to look for an apartment today and see what the cost of those apartments are. It's it's staggering. An apartment? Forget about a house. No, the apartment is like $1,700. I mean, I paid my wife and I when we lived in Austin, Texas, and that was back kind of a bad time, too, in terms of real estate. We lived there from 2007 to 2009, lived downtown on Congress Avenue, paid about 1400 bucks a month for a two-bedroom, yeah. and that was pretty good. I would I, like to see what it costs now, because probably another uh, five, six hundred dollars more, easily. Oh, I would say double, yeah. almost. Double. Um, so, are you, uh, are you an apartment guy, or are you a house guy? Uh, so it's nice. A condo. To have, yeah. So right now I'm in an apartment. Okay. Uh, but it's nice. You know, I don't know. I like doing the yard work and all that stuff. So that part of having a house is nice. I don't like being my own maintenance man. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so that part of the apartment life is great. So you know, either where, way. Where you you're in Carmel, right? Correct. And yeah. so you're district. walking distance yeah. to some pretty cool a stuff there cool in Carmel. Right down the street from the Pint Room, which just closed. Uh, they closed its doors, Pine Room and Carmel. Wait a minute. Is that where you went, went to play darts no, all the time? Old, Old Town Tavern. Oh, that's where same you go to play street. darts. Yep, same street. Okay. Well, I look, I, I mean, you and I probably, I don't know what your situation is like. Uh, there's people that don't have family friend, family members, friends to lean back on if something should happen. So, the most significant causes of this shortage of affordable homes and high cost of, uh, of housing... You were right. They left a lot of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, literally one crisis away from being homeless, and part of it is inflation. Well, it, it could be something as simple as car trouble. You can't get to work. Your car breaks down, you can't get to work. If You're I can't fired. fix my car, then I can't get to work. If I have to fix my car, then guess what? I can't pay rent. Um, of course, they're probably, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is 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 drugs. I mean, I I, I don't know. I like, there, there's people that are homeless that want to be homeless. I'm not saying that's sure. what it is in every situation, but boy, I would say a, a certain percentage, a high percentage of people here in Indianapolis that are homeless, um, there are drugs and alcohol involved. Well, it's like we see with these people with mo- most addictions, right? Their addiction comes first. You know, and they end up losing things they really care about, whether it's family, friends, jobs, everything. Uh, but like this number on here, right? It's um, with overall rise homelessness among individual individuals rose 11 percent. Vets 7.4. But this is the wow. scary one. Yeah. Families with children 15.5 yep. percent. So it is a real thing. There are families out on the streets, and again, that's why we have places like the Salvation Army. Thank God, and other places that are taking people in that really need it. They don't have anybody to fall back on. And I hope it gets better, but it hasn't been this bad for a long time in terms of being homeless. But Jeff Bezos might have a solution. A billionaire, uh, multi... Uh, is he a billionaire or a trillionaire? He's a billionaire. He's a trillionaire? I mean, well, he got divorced, so maybe he lost <laughs> half of it, right? Thanks, he took half his money. He's saying we should all live on uh, circulating space stations. 
Artificial intelligence, says Jeff Bezos, is more likely to save humanity than to destroy it. The billionaire also said he'd like to see human population grow to $1 trillion, with most people living in huge cylindrical space stations, and rejected the idea that humans should colonize other planets. This sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie. Yeah. I don't even like go. That's, like that's, go- that's out of uh, the movie Interstellar. Yeah, I don't even like going that's- on cruises, Nigel. Do you want me to live in a cylindrical thing in space? <laughs> Zero chance of that. But Zero. he's saying, here's his, here's his reasoning. Listen to this. Quote, I would love to see a trillion humans living in the solar system. If we had a trillion humans... We'd have at any given time a thousand Mozarts, a thousand Einsteins. The only way to get to that vision is with giant space stations. The planetary surfaces are just way too small. We might have a thousand Mozarts and a thousand Einsteins, but we'd have 500,000 idiots. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, say, we have yeah. a thousand Hitlers. Yeah. They're, they're Wasn't just, that a scary prospect? Let's, yeah. Let's limit all this. But th- th- this is like the complete opposite of what environmentalists want to hear. I mean, they're, they're people, they're depopulationists. They say we have too many people already. Too many people already, and here's Jeff Bezos saying, well, look, I want a trillion people, and I want them living on space stations. So I went to I went out to Terre Haute for uh, Thanksgiving, and yeah. just driving around, you know, rural areas, and I'm like, look at all this land. There is so, and I haven't, we're not talking about Nebraska, Oklahoma. There's so much land. There's so yeah. much, we don't have too many people. We just all live in the same neighborhood. How are we uh, feeling on uh, kids' Christmas movies? You've oh, been I, doing I the, uh, you've been uh, going through the, yeah. uh, the ringer there at yeah. the Lopez household? De- definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We run, oh. we run the gamut. What about Krampus? Never seen it. Never seen it. But I saw like the... Uh the little icon thing. Krampus is a like a a, a Christmas horror movie that they showed. <laughs> These parents are so pissed off over an elementary school showing a clip from the horror movie Krampus to kids in a music class. So the teacher was trying to show the different types of holiday celebrations around the world. Here's the grandfather of one of the kids talking about the. The incident here. I think they should have got the parents' permission. Well, I, I saw it. It's, it's not for kids at all. It, it shows a lot of demons, a lot of devilish stuff in there. Kids, you know, in that age group, kids are always looking for monsters under the bed. Uh, yeah. If they showed them that movie or whatever and they had nightmares, you know, I, I wouldn't like it at all. Now, I don't know if they showed them the whole movie or just clips of the movie, but I watched the trailer. And if my kids saw this movie, they would have nightmares. Here's a little bit from the Krampus trailer St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. I mean, the trailer was scaring the crap out of me. Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> and they're showing that crap in school? So I just looked it up because it said Krampus. So the, the Krampus is from European folklore. It's a horned beast who punishes <laughs> naughty children at Christmas time. <laughs> and they're showing this at a school in Florida, no less. In Ron DeSantis' Florida. Um, yeah, Home Alone, number one for me, followed by... 
Christmas vacation. I mean, I guess you throw a Christmas story in there. I mean, that's that's one. If you get into the some of the adults, Santa Claus, the series. The, yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Santa Claus with Tim Allen, and there's a couple R-rated ones that are that are that are pretty good. One one is called The Ref with Dennis Leary and Debbie uh, Does Christmas. The, <laughs> I'm not talking about those kinds of adult Christmas movies, Jerry. Uh, but if you've never seen The Ref, it takes place during Christmas. Dennis Leary is a criminal that takes uh, Kevin Spacey and his family hostage, but they're a crazy family. They're crazy. It, is Die Hard here. a Christmas movie? Not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Of course it is. That's debated uh, every uh, year, I mean, right? Uh, I think, uh, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Bruce Willis has come out and said that, yes, it is Bruce a Willis Christmas Bruce Willis had the same thing a long time. And then, eventually, at some point, I'm going to have to be watching Love Actually. I've never heard of it. You've never heard of Love Actually? Heard, I've never heard of it. Oh, you're so lucky. I bet your I bet your your significant <laughs> other has mentioned that to her. And say, down. honey, let's watch Love Actually tonight. It's not for kids, but it's I guess it's okay if you uh, are on a nice date with the uh, with the missus. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. The Ugly Booze News, cause it's really fun. <laughs> To present booze, news, booze, news. Yeah. Time for booze news. I'm Nigel Jerry Lopez hanging out for Hammer. Two uh, drunk Australians. Uh, they like to get after it in Australia. They from do. what I hear, they they're, they're big drinkers down there. Oh yeah, I love a good Fosters, man. They create. <laughs> They created sort of a standoff between them and authorities for eight hours when they decided, when they refused to get off the roof of a construction site. They were drinking vodka, falling asleep, throwing concrete on the road below, waking back up, repeating over and over and over again. Here is an onlooker and um, a police officer talking about these guys. I saw them, they had a bottle of vodka with them, so I was just like, it looked like they're having a good time. But um, obviously, it's not safe for them to be up there. What a waste of time, and actually, uh, potentially putting other people in at harm uh, in an effort to effectively rescue them. Um, Just complete stupidity. Eight hours trying to get these knuckleheads down from a construction site, these drunk a-holes. Australian police are way more polite than than American police. Oh, yeah. Eight hours are up there? Yeah. Uh, More booze news. Try this one on for size. This is going to make me throw up. A creamery and brewery in Oregon. A creamery and a brewery in Oregon. Team to create... Blue cheese beer. Uh, here is the cheese emissary for Rogue Creamery and the founder of the brewery talking about the skepticism they received at first and the taste of the, again, blue cheese beer. We handled a healthy dose of skepticism, even from our blue cheese devotees. When I told my brewers what we were doing, they uh, pretty much laughed. They, they thought, no way, this will not work. Once you get to know it a little more, maybe sip two, three, glass two or three, you may begin to pick up on that very, that slight hint of blue cheese on the finish. <laughs> I think blue cheese is disgusting. I do too. I'm a ranch I, guy. I can tolerate it with wings. That's about the only thing I can tolerate it with. And maybe I really don't even like it then at all if I have to tolerate something. Yeah. I'm then a, why I'm a use strictly it? ranch guy. 
strictly rage but, guy, but this but, sounds but, disgusting. What is, I, I've successfully, you know, I've I've uh, changed your life in terms of uh, drinking beer, I drink Miller Lights now. <laughs> I do, a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper, by the way. What was it before? What was on the reg for you when you're going down with Heineken's. the uh, Mrs. to go th- th- throw darts? Yeah, at the $7 th- Heineken's. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even know that's expensive. I mean, look, I don't want to piss off yeah. you know any of the beer reps or anything in this city, that, you know, but I, I've never liked a taste of Heineken. You saved me like 20 bucks every time I go out. <laughs> I think the same amount of beers, but they're like five bucks cheaper. Are you a hard alcohol guy uh, at all? If I, if I do it first. I don't like to do it later because I want to be able to pace myself as the night goes on. So if we do shots, let's do it first. Uh, liquor before beer in the clear. Beer before liquor, never sicker. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I see that. Because yeah. once you do your shot, you can't. Yeah, I believe is the mantra. The timer has started. I've been on a I've been on a Tito's kick lately. Ooh. Tito's vodka, yeah. very good. Austin based Tito's vodka doesn't even taste. Then you have to mix it with ice. Just kind of sit there Straight and sip the on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. There may have been a time or two uh, after everybody's gone to bed that I've walked by the wet bar and just grabbed the bottle and taken a swig. Night, Jerry. Night. How do you like your Tito's? In a paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. All right. What else? Uh, an 85-year-old. You sent me this story. This is this disturbing. Is crazy, this is yeah. a, an 85-year-old man in Washington, D.C. arrested for stabbing his 81-year-old wife to death after he refused to eat the pancakes she made for him. How bad were the pancakes? I would say, look, if you're capable of stabbing your wife of 81 years old, then it, it's not probably not really about the pancakes. Eat the pancakes, man. It's not about the pancakes, I wouldn't say. The officers arrived. They found an 81-year-old woman inside their apartment suffering from stab wounds. They also find an 85-year-old husband from self-inflicted injuries. They were both transported to the hospital. The woman died, and the guy's arrested, charged with second-degree murder. I mean, that's at 85 years old, going to jail for whatever's life is left after yeah. stabbing your your uh, your spouse is is crazy to me. And again, I tell you, I mean, it's seemingly about the pancakes, but there may have been some de- deeper issues but, yeah, going on. If we look at it, and she was the the victim. She's not the one who told the police why she was stabbed. <laughs> he told her the police it was about the pancakes. I would like to know more about this story. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez filling in for Hammer. And we'll go to the phones and bring on Alex Marlowe, Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief. Also, uh, New York Times bestseller, Breaking Biden, just dropped in October. I downloaded the audiobook, listened to most of it on the beach. Alex, how is the book doing? Uh, it's doing great, and I thank your audience and talk radio audiences across the country because it is tough to get the word out about Joe Biden. A lot of people have decided that they think they understand him, um, and my main pitch to everyone is you don't know the first thing about Joe Biden because I know I didn't when I started taking on this research project a year and a half ago, um, but it made the New York Times bestseller list, which people probably know is biased against conservatives. It's chosen editorially. Yeah. It's not based purely on sales, um, and they always give conservatives a harder time. And it, it's t- 
tough to sell books in an environment where everyone's talking about war in the Middle East and not talking about Joe Biden, which was what I was up against. But uh, one place, guys, where I'm not totally satisfied is I'm still seeing lots of super smart conservatives and Republicans suggest that Joe Biden is some sort of a puppet. He doesn't. He's just a bumbling buffoon. He's just propped up by a bunch of people. Uh, This is the exact same attitude that helped him win last time. We completely Mm. underestimated him, as we've been doing for the last 50 years. And if we bring that toxic, toxic approach to the next election, he is going to win again. There's no doubt in my mind. So you think he is going to be the candidate in 2024? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's always something off that could happen. But I I will tell you that the first couple of primary states, the uh, filing deadlines have already passed. Um, There is no logical person to replace him. Mm -hmm. You can't elevate a Gavin Newsom because that would be vaulting a a cis-hetero white male (laughs) ahead of people like BIPOC Kamala Harris. Uh, and homosexual Pete Buttigieg, like, they're not going to do that. So the Democrats don't do that, and they're, they're too smart to do that. Um, and I think Newsom knows that. I think Newsom's positioning himself for 2028. So who else could step in? Uh, uh, Michelle Obama? I mean, she's, she doesn't even like this country. She doesn't want to be president of this country. She doesn't even like it. So it's the uh, – I, I think he's the guy and I, until proven otherwise. Alex, now your book covers a, a bunch of things uh, that, that the Bidens are involved in. Um, it seems like we've been talking about this now for, for a year going on, too. Um, you really did a deep dive into it. In your opinion, why is this not being you know, put out in, in mainstream media? Why, why protect somebody who has so many nefarious business deals? Yeah, um, because he gives them what they want. And this is really one of the essential questions you could ask, and it's one of the main uh, reveals of the book, is that you get a a picture of how many backs Joe Biden scratches and how many scratches his back in between. Uh, in, in return, think about the way he's pitching the Ukraine war, which is getting less popular. We're understanding it's a total black hole. Our tax dollars are getting sent so that Ukrainian oligarchs can make a bunch of uh, you know, uh, payments on their yachts. Um, that, that, that is not why the founding fathers, uh, that was not their vision for this country that we'd be doing that. Obviously. So uh, what's Biden doing? He pitches to the public that the war is a jobs program for red state America. And he's doing this openly. He's saying that, hey, if you keep funding this war, we are going to send that money. It doesn't just go straight to Ukraine. A lot of it goes through these contractors that are American companies. And it functions as a job program. And a lot of these companies are in places like Arizona and Alabama and places like that. So he's actually suggesting to people that this colossal grift that we're witnessing is beneficial to you, the heartland American voter. And that, to me, is so in your face. But it also reveals Joe Biden's secret sauce, is that he gives Silicon Valley what they want. He gives Hollywood what they want. He gives uh, the, the Wall Street what they want. And so he, uh, he keeps his hands off of all those people. And, of course, he gives the consulting class what they want. And that's his key to having a base of support. You know, I will say, Alex, I was speaking with Alex Marlowe, Breitbart editor-in-chief, uh, author of the New York Times bestseller, Breaking Biden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the war, Israel, Hamas, Ukraine have been dominating the headlines. But this week, the Bidens have have been under the microscope quite a bit. I mean, and I'm, I'm thinking as I'm talking to you here, now is <laughs> there couldn't be a better time for somebody to go out and buy your book, Breaking Biden, because some of the things that you talk about in the book are unfolding before our very eyes, are they not? 
Yeah, I think so. And thank you for, for that. That's a really, really kind plug. Um, I had an article at Breitbart.com this week, and I do encourage everyone to go to Breitbart.com, download our app, refresh it all day, uh, where I broke down this Hunter Biden press conference, which I, in summation, it was trolling. If you look at <laughs> some of the details within the press conference, the framing, how Hunter sounded, what he said specifically, uh, some of the optics, it was designed to essentially poke the bear to dare Republicans to come and impeach him because he has a secret, and his secret is that Joe's going to pardon him. So he knows he's never going to go to jail because Joe will pardon him. Joe would prefer to wait until after the election, win, lose, or tie. He'd rather pardon him then. But he knows, Hunter knows, he's going to get away with everything. So that's why he's so in your face. And you start realizing that his personality is of a troll. Think about the art graph. Think about what Hunter did with his art. Okay, not only do you have foreign entities and his own lawyer being the, the main buyers of the art, but what we know is that what does he paint? He uses alcohol ink, and he blows on it with a cocaine straw. That's how he paints. And this is an addict. He's, of course, making a big joke, and we're all in on it. And most of us are, I guess, too lazy to kind of sort it out. And I'm not too lazy. I, I did sort it out. I just don't understand. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. He's he's trolling hard, and he's he's a fifty two, fifty three year old man baby. And like, if you go back and watch the, uh, what was the name of the movie Breitbart produced about the about the Bidens? Um, a movie about the bi. Oh, 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 um, um, uh, Hunter. Yeah, yeah, my son Hunter. Yeah, of course. My son Hunter. I, I, there's a moment in that movie where I kind of felt some sympathy or some empathy for Hunter, but he is that character in that movie uh, in real life. And I just, it kind of hit me when he was having that press conference uh, this week, painting himself out to be some sort of victim. Yeah, that was the angle in the press conference. Yeah. He's going to portray himself as the victim, even though he's already been charged with yes. you know, 40 years worth of other crimes. So is, is it really just like everyone's in on this giant conspiracy to get Hunter? <laughs> I mean, that would be – I mean, it doesn't – but he knows it's not true. He, it's just a tactic because he knows it's annoying, and it annoys people like you and me to watch him do it. Um, and some of the tells – do you notice how he bragged about being on dozens of boards? Yeah, hanging out with Chinese businessmen. Sure. I mean, this is all the, – the, the dream is that someone calls you guys and says, hey, you guys and Marlo, uh, you're all three on a board. That means you got to do a Zoom call uh, once a year, and we're going to send you ten grand a month all year long so that you show up on that Zoom call, and we can say you're part of our team. Does that sound good? And we're going to do that. About 20 different companies are going to do that. Uh, we'd be, we would never stop high-fiving if that was our gig, and that's Hunter's – that's his life, and he's rubbing that in our face in that press conference. I will say, I'm looking at the lead story at Breitbart.com right now. Hunter threatens to flee USA if Trump wins. <laughs> I'm thinking there's a possibility he should probably not wait until Trump wins. He should probably go now with some of the things he's looking at, especially if his old man uh, loses an election or is unable to participate in that election. 
you know, if you really think about it, and I love just to think, I, I think Hunter is a bright person. I think he's quite smart, and yeah. he definitely succumbed to his addictions. Um, but I like, I try to read between the lines of what he's saying, and he is a perfect candidate to be a flight risk. He's a perfect candidate because if uh, if Trump wins, and for some reason something goes wrong, he doesn't end up getting all the pardons. Um, because Joe will pardon him for everything he's currently being accused of, but if Trump comes in and then they really start digging into Hunter even more and then more charges come up, and then Joe can't pardon him again, he's a good candidate to take off. And so I actually take him seriously. I, I think he's being totally legit there. He should probably leave, to be Alex, honest with you. Well, I, I bet, I'm wondering if, if Joe Biden wants him to leave. Do you think he is a legitimate threat to the success of Joe Biden's presidential campaign? Terrific question, and I do. And I think that yesterday or the couple days ago, whenever the press conference was, that was the – it really dawned on me that this is a reality because I think his actions in the public, his deceit, his lying, um, his brazenness, his trolling, I think that takes some of these moderate Republicans, not the ones who are listening to a show like yours or reading a website like Breitbart, but just your sort of generic Wall Street Journal Republicans, your National Review Republicans um, – have got to be watching and thinking, are we really going to help this guy out and his corrupt dad? Uh, they have to be coming off the fence and coming towards our side after that. Hey, hey, Alex, in your opinion, do you think Hunter Biden spends one day in jail for this stuff? Absolutely not. I think he spends zero days in jail. The only chance is if Trump wins and new charges about Hunter come out after Trump is sworn in, that's your only shot. So my official bet is zero days. That's where I'd set the over-under. And what's your prediction for the Republicans, the GOP presidential nomination? I mean, it's, it's Trump all the way, isn't it? At this it's point. Trump all the way, yeah, and I, I don't, you know, I hope it's not a blind spot um, for me because I'm not a lawyer, and I have a lot of great lawyers on my team at Breitbart, so I, I can kind of punt to them on a lot of these questions. But I'm not seeing any logic that any of the charges or, or accusations keep him off ballots. And if he's on the ballots, he's going to win. He's up by 50, 60 points. Well, you know what? I asked Matt Boyle, um, a couple of, your, your Washington bureau chief, a couple of weeks ago. I, like, I have concerns. Like, how does Donald Trump navigate a campaign in and out of courtrooms uh, fighting these indictments? And Matt's like, he's already doing it. Yeah. He's doing it successfully. And each time he goes up in the polls more and more and more. Yeah, and the best argument for a Donald Trump presidency is the Joe Biden presidency. Yeah. So Trump staying off of the front pages might help him um, because what I want to do, and the reason why I wrote Breaking Biden is because I'm afraid this is not going to happen, is I want to talk about Joe Biden. I want to talk yeah. about how the borders open. I want to talk about fentanyl streaming across our border. I want to talk about being subservient to China, becoming a tributary state while his family bags cash off of China. I want to talk about our energy policy, which has been a disaster. I want to talk about the Biden inflation. I don't know if we're going to get to do that if we're just talking about Trump's legal drama. There's probably no book out right now more important than Breaking Biden, exposing the hidden forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family, and his administration from Alex Marlowe, Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief. Alex, best of luck in the new year. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, we love you guys, and we love WIBC. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Right now, Cameron and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Uh, Beer Sample Fry. Yeah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some.
And we're brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. My name is Nigel. Jerry Lopez uh, stepped out on quite possibly the best segment of the week. I don't know where he went, but uh, Brad Kloppenstein is in his place. Filled in for uh, Rob Kendall earlier today on the Kendall and Casey show. And uh, you know, sometimes he likes to go out on that third deck from what I... I've um, still not been out there. I need to get well, out Well, he likes to go out there because of a certain reason. He likes uh, to get out and see... The ventilation is really good. <laughs> but you have provided the libations for Beer Sample Friday. I did. So, this is special. So, actually, Nigel, you are getting the first taste of this publicly of anybody, anywhere. Well, well first of all, what is it? Where'd you get it? We got about uh, um, 60 to 90 seconds here. All right. So, Indianapolis Brewing Company Lager. Uh, this is a brand that I had owned. It had, it's an old brand. It had been an Indianapolis brand. It went out of business back in 1946. There was a group that revived it back in the 90s. It went out of business again about 2003, 2004. Yeah. Uh, I... Um, Pass this on to Sun King, and they are releasing this next week. Are oh, you kidding? So, so this, we got a preview of it. A preview of this Sun. New, so this is a Sun King brand beer. It is a Sun King beer that you used to own. Yep, but this will be on shelves this time next week. Uh, cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you for, for having, having me on. on. And what are we tasting here? What is it? Lager. To lager. And that was Brewing Company Lager. It's a very clean, easy drinking lager. Mm. That is really, really, really good. Man, this is fantastic. Klopp, thank you for uh, providing the libations. I know Jerry is going to be very sad that he missed it, but I'll give him a few of these cans. All right. Sorry, Jerry. Look for, uh, uh, again, look for this win. Uh, by this time next week. Should be on shelves by next Friday. Right on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Like and football teams are torn this morning.